This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined, as always, by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. And uh, Joe, UFC 260 right in front of us, two heavyweights, and unfortunately, a couple fights have dropped off, including one of the very important fights on the card, the featherweight title bout between Alexander Volkanovsky yep. versus Brian Ortega postponed due to uh, COVID-19 protocols. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky came out and said that he had contracted COVID-19. So that's difficult because, you know, you fly in from Australia, a country that doesn't have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, high numbers for COVID-19, and he somehow ends up contracting it in the States. Yeah. And I think with him, too, you can't even rebook that fight fast because he's got to go home now. And I, I believe the, the protocol in Australia, you're staying in a hotel for two weeks and then you have to quarantine at home. So, I mean, for him to get quality training for a world title for a quick return could be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually trying to find out if he actually went back because since he has the virus, I imagine he has to quarantine in Vegas. Like They're not going to let him get yeah. on a plane and go back to Australia with COVID-19. So I'm sure that he's probably still in Vegas, which makes me wonder how quickly they're going to turn this thing around. Uh, yeah. The next pay-per-view is not actually in Vegas. It's in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. But that obviously there's nothing that would preclude him from traveling from Vegas to Florida. It's just an interesting circumstance. So I'm talking to UFC President Dana White later today and uh, hoping to get an answer on that one. Uh, of course, I interviewed uh, for the, the uh, TSN MMA show interview edition that will be coming out later today. Uh, Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic, Tyron Woodley and Dana White. Not a bad show. Not bad at all. And Coach Eric Nixick. I don't want to forget Coach. Okay. Yeah, he's been in the media a lot. I, I mean, I think from last year with uh, him getting nominated for Coach of the Year all over, every interview I see, he's all over the place now. Um, and just listening to him, he actually, like, he, you can tell he's an intelligent coach. So, like, maybe in the future, like, I, that's someone who I would love to see if I can talk to and pick his brain. Well, you know where he came from. What world? He came from the football world, which is what people don't really know about. Coach. Really? Yeah, his okay. dad was a football coach, uh, Hall of Fame, Las Vegas high school football coach. So, and you know, and his whole family is kind of a football family. He went into Extreme Couture. I think he said it was about 13 years ago. I think he said in 07. So 13 or 14 years ago. With no previous mixed training. No previous mixed martial arts training. Damn. Just as a student. Damn. And then he was training with, uh, you know, the likes of Robert Fallis, with Randy Couture, yeah. with all of the, and Ray Seppo, like Ray all the Seppo, coaches yeah. right there. So he, because he was, just, yeah. so so he was under their tutelage. Yeah. But and I was going to say, like, his language is incredible. Like, he knows so much for someone, now that's even more impressive, that's only been 13 years. Right, exactly. And, you know, he, he didn't, I don't believe he has fought professionally or at an amateur level. He just has the, the coaching mind because of his dad, right? So I talked to him about that during this interview that I did with him because it's just such an amazing story. He's, he has one UFC champ now with Aljo, which he got earlier this month, and he might have a second UFC champ <laughs> this weekend. So he's never had a UFC yep. champ uh, under his tutelage before. He's had Lance Palmer, a PFL champion, and, he, and uh, Vinny Magalhesh, a uh, uh, PFL champion, but never a UFC champion. Now he might have two in the span of one month, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, just his language, his footwork, his his ability to to shift, and I just think the number of guys that he coaches on a regular basis just that's coaching reps. I mean, to be a good coach, you need those reps just like anything else. And I think with all the reps, he's really uh, you know putting some steam forward, doing great. Absolutely. Well, this is an interesting main event, and the reason why I love this rematch is because, and I keep mentioning this in all the interviews that I'm doing. You look at. Um, you know, what, what's happened since that last fight. There's the Derek Lewis fight, which you don't get really anything out of. Yep. But then the last 
four or five fights that Francis has had. I think it's five fights. It's a total of under three minutes of cage time. Yeah. yeah. So on one hand, if you're Francis, you don't have the in-cage competition to put all of your new skills into practice. He hasn't been able to do that. And then on the flip side, for Stipe, you don't have much tape to watch. You don't really know what this guy's improved at. So as a coach, who do you think that uh, favors more, Joe? Well, I think the unknown of Francis is uh, going to really favor him because we haven't seen him, right? That's the thing. And obviously, we're, we're talking about coach of the year. We're talking about his team and people around him. He has put the work in the wrestling in the past two years. So to say that he is the same fighter just because we haven't seen it would be a, a misunderrepresentation because he's been working. I mean, you can tell his wrestling is better, but we just haven't seen it. So I think that where things get interesting how does he apply that two years of wrestling training not you know physical fight experience but how does he take that wrestling experience in the training room and apply it to someone who you know we're talking about being the best heavyweight of all time so i think it's how he's going to apply it but i honestly genuinely believe he's not going to need to wrestle much in this fight i think his his power um is just going to be enough to keep the fight slower keep maybe you know stipe a little bit hesitant from shooting in but who knows and that's what makes this fight so damn exciting yeah for sure and uh the line surprises me i think france is only about a small favorite i think he's minus 110 or minus 115 the last yeah. time they fought he was minus 175 is a much bigger favorite but yeah. what's changed since then that's the part that's interesting to me is like What's changed since then is that Stipe has absorbed 300-plus strikes from Daniel Cormier, significant strikes from Daniel Cormier. Yeah. He's had, yep. um, the, you know, the first fight was one round, and then there was four rounds. So he's had about 50 minutes of in-cage time with Daniel Cormier. Yep. Francis has barely had any in-cage time. So you look at the damage, Stipe's accrued more damage. The last time Stipe took a short notice, kind of a shorter turnaround fight, about six months, was when he lost to Cormier after the Francis fight. This time around, it's only about six months as well. So, and yeah. you know, we've heard Cormier say in interviews that if Stipe doesn't take enough time off, he thinks he's going to lose to Francis. I don't know mm -hmm. if he's had enough time to really recover from all of the different uh, damage he's taken over the, over the course of time from Cormier. And then you look at the different heavyweights that have fought wrestlers. You look at Lewis versus Blades. You look at Francis versus Blades versus uh, Velasquez. It seems like a lot of these heavyweights are learning how to stifle the wrestling of other heavyweights. And I would say that both Cain Velasquez and Blades are higher, um, you know, caliber wrestlers or higher pedigree wrestlers than Stipe. But Stipe was yep. still able to take Francis down six times last time around. And I, I don't think that Stipe is going to be able to win this fight without getting a takedown. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think the the key to, to victory for these guys, and I think for Stipe, it really has to be out or in. You can't stay in that mid-range. And, and what Nagano does well is, and if you see it with the Overeem knockout, when he throws his big power punches, they're not wide, okay? So, like, if he throws wide looping punches, it's easy for a wrestler to get underneath. He throws these big shots as uppercuts on angles. Mm -hmm. So, if you even think about dipping your head the slightest bit, he's got one of those big bombs hitting you. So that's how he scares, you know, that wrestler away from him. One touch, it's out. Like when he fought Kane Velasquez, as Kane was yeah, dipping like levels, that's blow. where that hand. It mm -hmm. doesn't take much from that power. So it's the angle he throws his single shot powers that keeps the wrestler away. So I think for Stipe, he's going to have to kind of use feints to get inside. And it's an all in or all out. Don't sit there and... Um, be comfortable, try to wrestle. Uh, but that's a big, strong man. I mean, you're talking about a man who's cutting down to make the limit of the weight, which is crazy. And hearing Stipe's approach, Stipe was asked what was his biggest improvement since his first fight. 
Nagano, and he says his efficiency, which I think is important against Nagano. Nagano would be the opposite. He's inefficient. Everything's power. Everything's full of energy. So if Stipe can wear him down, move his feet, you know, uh, maybe take some patient rounds, hit the body, move, clinch and grab. I mean, that's his key to victory. And like everyone says, if you're a betting person, if you're going to bet Nagano, under one and a half is probably your best bet. If you think Stipe is going to win, you got to go with that over one and a half. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Really? I, I, I think Francis is dangerous. I mean, every round starts standing. And okay. I think that Francis is dangerous for the entire fight. I honestly do. I think that a lot of people are underestimating his cardio because we just don't know. Like, he's only been in one fight like the one with Stipe, basically. Like, a, a fight where he just kept getting taken down and kept getting held there. That, that kind of thing might not happen this time around, you know, now that he's training with much better training partners at Extreme Couture. Uh, so... I'm interested to see how much he has worked on that part of his game because if he can stuff takedowns, this is a whole new ball game. I I have to lean Francis in this fight for that yeah. reason. It's just yeah. the I always I usually like to side with the known versus the unknown, but the unknown in this case is so intriguing because we don't know how much better he's gotten. And I I, I believe that Eric Nixick is one of the top coaches in the game. It's not nothing to take away from uh, Stipe's coaching team, Marinelli, and uh, and all the guys that he's come up with that strong style in in Ohio, but. Uh, uh, you know, we have to remember in the last fight, he had a completely different corner than he's going to have this time around. I mean, I think mm. Dewey Cooper might have been in the corner for the first uh, fight against Stipe. But, you know, this time around, you've got Nick Sick. You've got Kamaru Usman's going to be in the yep, corner. Yep. You've got uh, Dewey Cooper still in the corner. So I- I'm interested to see what kind of adjustments he can make. And, you know, it's funny. I, I asked, do you, how, much, how well do you remember the uh, Rosenstrike fight? Uh, I just remember um, how wild... Uh, Nagano was and just the idea of sloppy punches thrown wild and hard doesn't matter committed he's going to knock you out so they weren't the most technical punches but I remember them being wild and aggressive well I spoke to coach Nixick and I said I know you as a coach you like to be kind of patient you like to to win set things up yeah, set yeah. things up you're very methodical I go when you saw Francis do that to Rosenstrike because he was basically going on a motion Rosenstrike hit him I don't think he liked it and then he yeah. just went into the berserker mode Emotion, I said, yeah. Yeah, I said, you don't, I go, I don't know how much you know about video games, coach, but that was like a, a button masher. Like, yeah, yeah, that wasn't, yeah, that, he wasn't being coached in that moment. And uh, I said, you know, how were you feeling when, you know, when you saw that happen? What was going through your mind? And he was like, I was so nervous because he, like, that was not the plan at all. He kind of yeah. strayed from the game plan. And uh, then afterwards, after he got the knockout, apparently Francis came up to Nixick and said, what the hell was that? Because, like, yeah, Francis yeah. knew that he had kind of gone off script. And yeah. uh, Nixick, instead of, like, being critical and being like, you got to listen to what I'm saying, he was like, I don't know, but that, that's great. you got to win. <laughs> like, you know, you still have to yeah. tell the guy that he's done a good job because, I mean, hey, that was a good job. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here because I've seen through my years of martial arts experience, when you take a raw, powerful athlete like Francis Nagano now, and you try to make him a finesse fighter, you get him to sit behind a jab, move his feet. Sometimes that power striker starts to overthink, and then it slows them down, and then you lose that natural ability of a big killer that could come in there and just smash faces. So I've seen it hurt people sometimes when you try to take that you know the dog away that fight that aggression so i've seen it really mess up careers especially in heavyweight when they try to get too technical but also that wildness in those combinations that's actually a good strategy if, if you're going to commit to a combination sometimes it's better to throw with everything because even if that opponent tries to counter they're going to open up you've committed so much and 
good knockouts happen when you commit 100% to your combination. So that really wasn't when people say, oh, that was so messy and technical. It wasn't the best idea. Yes, I agree. But when you commit and you commit like that, that was my style of fighting, too. You go all out. If they try to counter, they're just going to open themselves up. So I think his power and his commitment to his strikes make him that much more dangerous. Yeah, 100%. I'm very interested to see how this one goes because uh... – you know, I hear a lot of the fighters that are asked about it. Most of them like Stipe in this fight. And really? that always gives really? me pause. Well, because they, I feel like people know what Stipe can do. And I, Stipe has made improvements. Here's the thing with Stipe. And I've always said this. This guy might be the most disrespected fighter in the history of the yeah. UFC. I have and, to agree. And the reason why I say that is you don't hear him talked about a, one of the best in, in the UFC or pound for pound. It's so much harder to have a good win rate at heavyweight, and he's really the only heavyweight that's had the kind of longevity that a fighter's had at heavyweight. And, and here's the other thing that really bothers me about it, and I talk about this all the time. When Cormier beat him the first time, had Cormier retired right there and then, double champion, light heavyweight, heavyweight champion, he was 40, he was 39, I believe, at the time, um, had he just walked away from the game, people would have said Cormier is a top five all-time fighter, and he still would be. Yeah. He'd be talked about today. Yeah as a top three, top five all-time fighter because of his accolades. Stipe had beat that guy twice. Like, we forget that he beat a guy that at the time people considered to be a top five all-time fighter, not once, but twice. Yeah. And I think that people just disregard that. They disregard, they, they, they then write Cormier off, and they don't give Stipe any of the credit. And yeah. to me, that, that, that's so insulting to the guy because I think, you know, People talk about Fedor. Fedor had an amazing streak. If you want to talk about longevity at heavyweight, he had an amazing streak um, in the Pride days. But there's all these questions about Pride and how legit it was. And he had all these weird opponents, kind of freak show fights. Stipe was beating the best of the best guys, has been beating the best of the best guys, I should say, for years and years and years at the highest level in the UFC, refined fighters. I believe Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time. I know most people probably lean towards Fedor. And I can, I can, I'm not going to you know, say that that's a wrong opinion. It's an opinion. But to me, like, Stipe is the best to have ever done it in the heavyweight division. He's just, he's got all the tools. He doesn't have any weaknesses, really. Like, can, can you name a weakness that Stipe has? No, not at all. Right. You know? I mean, at least with Francis, you can say maybe his takedown defense is his weakness because we've seen him get taken down and held down. Yeah. But yeah. for Stipe, like, can you think of him getting taken down and held down? Can you think of him? No. I mean, Good and then boxing. people say that he's got a bad yeah. chin. He's been knocked out twice. And one, Cormier yeah. would have knocked any human being on the planet out with that shot. Oh, yeah, it was right on the button, perfectly timed, unprepared for the shot, for sure. Yeah. So, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I just think the problem with him is there's no flair behind his performances sometimes. Not the performances, but of, like, the fight week, you know? He's working at the, the, the firehouse, you know, eight days before. He's rolling up just being so nice to people thankful like he's not coming in a yacht he doesn't have a fur coat on he doesn't have a pair of glasses on walking through with no shirt yeah, he has on, eyeglasses like, on. <laughs> yeah like he's just being like if anything like i want to see more of the the blue collar like the you know that immigrant mentality that he represents i mean it's surprising to me that He's almost like a George St. Pierre type of guy. Like his mentality is not much different than GSP, right? GSP maybe uh, promoted them more of being a martial artist, but Stipe, the family man, the hardworking man, like he goes to work. Like that's something I'm surprised. I think in this generation, we like money, popularity, mm -hmm. fame. We want to see that more from our champions, which, which is kind of sad. Yeah, because it seems like people like to think that they can relate to the unrelatable people. 
Like, yeah. I, you know, I hate to get political, but you know, Donald Trump's a great example. The, the, the blue collar uh, Americans, a lot of them liked him as a president because he was just a normal guy becoming president. Yeah. But yeah. he's not a normal guy. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a wealthy yeah. guy yeah. that came from wealth and, and, you know, has always been, you know, at eating steaks and out in New York and being a socialite. Like, these aren't the things that normal Americans are. Whereas yeah. with Stipe, Stipe is your, you know, everyday blue collar American who also is a firefighter that helps people like he, he wants to help people for a living. And he, you know, I asked him about his legacy. I said, you know, whenever you're asked about your legacy or, you know, whether you're disrespected, I said, you always say you don't care. And, you know, I don't know if that's because he's focused on the task at hand. So I said, why, why don't you care? Like, why, what, what will it get? Like, is it something you'll care about after your career? And he was like, no, I, the only legacy I care about is the legacy I'm leaving for my kids. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Why not? And I said to him, like, cares about much, other I go, there's not much more for you to do. You're a firefighter. You help your community and you're the, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Like, your legacy yeah. for your kids is like, you're good. <laughs> right? But he's yeah. like, you know, I still love this game. I still love fighting. As long as I love doing this, I'm going to keep doing it. And uh, yeah, obviously, that's a great answer. Right. So what, what's the path for him? I mean, he gets a win. Obviously, it's the John Jones fight, right? Yeah. Uh, what happens if he you know, ends up unsuccessful in this fight. Where do you see uh, Stipe's path in the future? I think he would probably face Derek Lewis next. That's, a, that's a, a fair shot. Maybe a Volkov. For like, like another title elimination style and give him one more shot at the belt maybe. Well, there's or... a lot of options. The, the thing about Stipe is because he has fought f- f- two guys for the last three, three, four years, you look at, it's basically been Cormier and now Francis. He's going to have fought Francis twice and Cormier three times. There are a lot of heavyweights that he has not fought. You look at Volkov, you look at Blades, you look at Derek Lewis. Like there, there's a lot of good names that Stipe has yet to go get into the cage against. Rosenstrike, uh, gone. Yeah. Like there are a ton of options for him if he loses. I just don't think that's the option he wants. <laughs> yeah. So do you see him exiting the sport at that point, or is it more of we don't know? We're just gonna yeah, see how it goes. I don't think he knows. Yeah. I don't think he's yeah. thinking about what happens if I lose. You know, I don't think fighters like to think about that. Yeah. No, I just I think he seems to be so planned out with everything. I'm I'm sure he's got an idea, but uh I don't know. I I personally think Nagano's going to go get the win and I just want to see being a fan, I'm a little bit more biased, but I want to see John Jones versus Francis. I think it's more of that freak show look that I'm going for mm-hmm. that we kind of miss from those old Japan days, but um, John Jones versus Francis Nagano to me, we said it last year, which is the fight I wanted to see. That's it. So to me, I, I really, really hope Nagano wins just for that. What's going to come after? Well, I'm with you on that. But that being said, if Stipe beats this version of Francis, I think a fight between Stipe and John Jones is super intriguing oh, yeah. too. Because now you've yeah, got the it's best more well-rounded ever of a fight. Maybe you know? the best fighter yeah. ever, right? Like, yeah. there's a lot to like there. So not a bad consolation prize either way. Yeah, exactly. True point. But yeah. to me, it's that I need to see the the freak show. You know, I need a, I want to see John Jones against a a two hundred and sixty five pounder. You know, and you seen the size of John Jones cracking pack mm-hmm. today? Two forty five, thick like an ox, just banging away. What did I say? One forty five? No. Two forty. No, no. You said two forty five. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you corrected my my way. No, I, I said two forty, two forty five, like in that range. Oh pretty, yeah, yeah. man thick so i was like that looks good i think he's gonna really adapt well and i think uh you know it's tough to say but i mean i think he's your champ yeah well this is the thing about john jones like lately he's been more of a point fighter he's been more of a technical point fighter at heavyweight doesn't always translate especially when you're facing a guy like francis i like i think like with stipe jones would kind of need to get a takedown on francis in order to beat him 
you don't think distance control movement kind of making him miss making him pay as a style but i don't know because when he i think what have to do is kind of what he did against Rosenstruck. Get in there when you do commit, go wild and smash his face. You know, like mm. don't sit there and try to play the game with him. When you go you. commit and just go after him, you know, like be the bigger, stronger, more physical man that you are. And I yeah. think that's the Fighting only sports. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Move, wait your time, and then when it's go or don't go, you know, that kind of mentality. But it's up there. I'm excited. I want to see it. But like you said, Stipe, again, doesn't get the respect that he deserves. I think uh, his mentality, his blue collar work, his all American style, like I think he definitely deserves the credit and hopefully um, gets that recognition of, you know, because he deserves all of it and more. Yeah, speaking of disrespected, you got Tyron Woodley, in, I believe, in the Comey event uh, taking yeah. on uh, Vicente Luque. This is the lowest ranked opponent he's fought since uh, a card that was headlined by Kung Lee. So it was like, mm. I think it was 2008. 15, I believe it was, 2015, when he fought Dong Young Kim. Dong Young Kim was also ranked 10th, just like Luke. And this is the first three-round fight he's had since he beat Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, I think it was Gastelum's final uh, welterweight fight, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, mm. yeah, it, it's been some time for, yeah. for Tyron Woodley. And, uh, you know, I had such a great interview with, with Tyron yesterday. I really love talking to him because it seems like he's got a real grasp on where he's at in life and, and what, he, what needed to happen and... Uh, he talked about kind of the pitfalls of being champion, about how he didn't really like being champion. And it's what he always wanted to be. But then once he got the gold wrapped around his waist, you know, he said his life was just a complete mess uh, outside of the cage. And it seems like he's in a really good place. But he, he said, hey, I was also in a really good place for the last two fights. And we saw what happened. Yeah. But uh, I talked to him also about what it feels like when you're in there and you're losing a fight that you feel like you should be winning. And you can't reverse yeah. your fortunes. Like you can't. You get in your own There's head. There's just nothing and, you can do. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of helpless feeling. So that was kind of cool to hear him talk about that because I always wonder about that. You know, I, I know that Tyron Woodley is as good as anybody in the welterweight division. He'll tell you he's better than anybody in the welterweight division. So for him to be put in those spots must be devastating for him. Yeah. I think in those times, just, just from the way I look at it, that's it's those moments where do you still have it or not? I mean, and I think sometimes where it's like you're not winning. Do I just ride it out? and lose and then go home or are you going to go out on your shield you know like when, when when tyron was young i guarantee you he's thinking i'm going out on my shield i'm going to go i'm going to put everything out i'm going to rip this guy that's the, the that's the championship mentality so i think once you get comfortable once you get older you start having kids that killer in you loses and i mean i think that's kind of where maybe he's gone he has other interests he talks about how music has been such a big influential part of his life um, you know, and, and he really just said, he's like, Hey, my preparation wasn't the the bad part of the other fights. He goes, I was well prepared. He goes, it's all in my mindset. So he kind of knows what he has to do it. He's experienced. But to me, I just think that, you know, at a time in your life, you lose that eye of the tiger. There's, there's moments where like, I'm sure you go into fights and you are like, man, I don't want to come out hurt again. I don't want another concussions. Like, I hope I don't get cut. Where when I was going in and you're, you're 20, 25, 30, like, I don't care if I get split open. He's going to have to kill me before I get in there. So, like, you lose a little bit of that mentality as you get older. And I think that might be the case with him, which is not 38 years old and you've been in this sport for so long. Well, I think the line on this fight is way off. He's, like, I think a plus 210 underdog. Really? Like, yeah, like, how Surprising. does he – Like, what does Luque have that is going to stifle him? Like, if you look at the last three fights, three losses in a row, you've got Usman who's taking him down making his life miserable. You've got Burns, who's outstriking him and also taking him down 
and making yeah. his life miserable. And then you've got Colby, who's taking him down and making his life miserable. Luke is not going to be able to take down a Division One All-American like Tyron Woodley. He's just yeah. not. Like I, you know, I if he does, I'll I'll admit that I'm wrong. But then yeah. when you get to it on the feet, I think Luke is a great striker. But yeah. you know, the threat of that right hand from Woodley's always going to be there. Yeah, and I think that when you have the the odds on Woodley winning inside the distance is plus six hundred. It's like ooh, I like it. Yeah, I I do like it. It's not bad. What right? does I mean, what does Vicente do? Come forward, pressure, right. leave his chin open. Vicente yeah. gets hit. Yeah, he does. And you don't want to get hit against Tyron Woodley because he's not <laughs> no. a volume striker. And I think that no. I think that you could see Luke certainly outstrike him in volume and 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 make it a tough night at the office for him there. But I think that if Woodley also starts to go to his wrestling. You know, like yeah. I think that, that should be his yeah. key. Faint the right hand and then shoot, take the takedown, get your top position and just top position, ground and pound. That's the key. Because here's the thing. Like he was an underdog against Colby. Um, he, was, he was the favorite against Usman and against Burns. I think he was also the favorite. Mm. Uh, but I think in this case, it's like, you know, I think this is kind of an overcorrection of the steering wheel. I think that when you look at it from a matchup standpoint, that. This is like this is Woodley's fight to lose. Yeah, I think so, and I, I, I think if he does lose, I think there's going to be a lot of questions answered. I think if anything, I think it's more. I think yeah. he's caught if he loses. I think I think it might I, I be think so. might be the end of the road for him. Yeah, I just don't see like that passion even after his last losses. He did. It's kind of like yeah, nonchalant about it, you know. Like I still, I think the fire's gone. To be honest, I mean, which is fine. I mean, it's natural. He's been a professional at the highest level for probably 15 years. Like that's exhausting. He needs a little break from it. That's why he's probably interested in his music. Like, I mean, when you're so absorbed in the sport, you think Tyron had time to go to the studio and do music raps and stuff when he was, you know, coming up and climbing the ranks. He didn't care about none of that stuff. That took away from his training, his recovery, his life. So I mean, things change. Things are different. But I've always been a fan of his. I like his. And I hope nothing but the best for him. I think he's a role model for everyone, regardless what happens. He's showing fighters that he was one of the first guys to start getting on TMZ, start having shows, to start show, uh, showing that the life outside of fighting. So regardless, great career, can go down as one of the best welterweights of all time. Yeah, So and then you look at the rest of the card. There's not a ton. Um let me see here for a second. I, I like I like the Sean O'Malley like I, and Thomas Almeida. I think that's going to be my uh, fight of the night pick. Yeah, O'Malley, that, that's a, a big one for sure. I'm interested to see how O'Malley bounces back from this. And, and also, I mean, he's going to be fighting a Thomas Almeida who's going to be dangerous. Like, Almeida yeah. does not want to lose again. Like, you know, this is a guy that came in as a huge prospect. He was basically what O'Malley was before O'Malley came in. He was a big bantamweight prospect who, you know, he just hasn't been able to get it done. Like I also like the uh, Mikhailo Lexaychuk against Medeskis Bukowskis fight. Like there's there's some fights to like, but I mean, outside of the main and co-main, it's it's really not. Uh, and and I think the O'Malley Almeida fight is is really good too. But there's there's not yeah. a ton to to really get. Excited what do you about. think of uh, Sean O'Malley at minus three twenty? What do you think of that? I think that's probably where it should be, to be honest. Really, I I think Thomas Almeida is incredible. I think the kid's awesome. He's scrappy. Like I, I think it's going to be a tougher fight than most people think. I wonder. How I think well, O'Malley's going to win, but I think Almeida's that kid's a stud, man. Minus three twenty. I don't know about that. Yeah, but he just lost to like Jonathan Martinez, who got knocked out by Davy Grant. I know that's MMA math, but I mean, yeah. you know, like I, I just don't know if 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 Almeida still has that killer instinct. I, th- I feel like he's become discouraged by losing because, you know, you have all that hype behind you and then you don't live up to that hype and it's hard for you to get your mind right, you know, in, the, in those circumstances. 
I find him just a fun fighter to watch overall. He comes, he brings it. He'll he'll come to knock you out, or he'll come to to get submitted or knocked out. So, um, yeah, something about that fight really has me intrigued. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how O'Malley bounces back from that injury. Um, I mean, it's, it certainly seems like if you kick the calves and you kick the legs and you and, and Almeida has good leg kicks, right? Like, yeah. you know, we saw what happened. basically he got uh, what's it called, dead leg or dead foot. Yeah, yeah, the, the dead foot with a hit the nerve kind yeah. of thing. So I don't know if that can't happen again. I feel like maybe O'Malley should move up to 45. Like, if, if he doesn't win this fight, I feel like maybe his future will be up a division. Yeah, he's just, uh, he's not counting that last loss to, to Cheeto as anything. He's kind of still saying he's undefeated and the lucky shot. I mean, the calf's the calf, man. I'm telling you, like, those things, even if they're hurt, it takes months to cover. So if I'm Almeida, I'm just chopping away at those. But O'Malley. He's going to counter it, use his punches, and I think he gets. Uh, if he wins, it's going to be via KO with that right hand yeah, or that left straight. I don't know. How, I, I don't like O'Malley's approach going into this fight. I don't like the, you know, the confidence. Good losers or and bad losers. The, he has not been a good loser in this situation. Like he's. he's you don't just, think it's good to not overly think about the loss and keep not that about confidence. Overly think about the loss. It's about giving your opponent credit. Like you know, I yeah. know that there was there's an injury involved, but like, you, you know, it's it's important that you handle the loss with class and with grace and you know if he, if he wants to in his mind say it was a fluke maybe it, maybe that helps him get out of bed in the morning by saying oh yeah, it's just a fluke it's, it's not really a loss yeah. and he needs that kind of I think it's important Aaron I think it's I think he almost has to okay. I think he needs to keep that invincible person, right? mentality right mm-hmm. if you, you need to keep invincible like if you think you're beatable then you kind of go in with a, a chink in the armor, you know, like got to go. You got to have that invincible Mike Tyson mindset. So if that's probably his approach, it's not like other guys like Connor are like, yeah, I lost. I'm going to improve. I'm going to get. But I mean, I, I like that. He needs it. He needs that confidence. I'm OK with it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see how he bounces back. Uh, and I want to talk about this past weekend's main event between Derek Brunson and Kevin Holland. I, I can't remember a fight where both fighters lost momentum afterwards like this. Like, it seems like yeah. neither guy came out with anything. But you know what? I was so angry after w- watching people rip Kevin Holland after the fact. So let me get this straight. You got a guy who loves to talk trash, who's a, who's a fun fighter to watch, who's great in interviews. He's everything that people want. And then as soon as he loses... Oh, he shouldn't be talking. He's too cocky. He's too arrogant. This is how he got to the game. Yeah. Like yeah. this is this is this is who he is. So, you know, when people are saying, "Oh, he's not that good. He's he was he shouldn't be talking while he's well, uh, Brunson's on top of him. He should be trying to get up." You think he wanted to lay there? Like you think that it, you, you don't think that it crossed his mind that maybe he should try to get up? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Maybe Derek Brunson is just a good good wrestler with good top control, and yeah. maybe Kevin Holland's small for the division. Maybe. Yeah, I I, th- I agree and disagree with the Kevin Holland approach. I agree that, yeah, the trash talking was fine. During the fight, go nuts. But when you're in the corner and you need advice from one of the best ground fighters in North America, Travis Luter, and you're too busy talking to Khabib in bad body language, tired, but like you're not showing the will to win. Like you gave up. You lost focus. The trash talking was fine, but to me, you lost focus as a fighter. And in a main event on a five round fight, which means a lot to your career, you lost focus. Your body language was defeated. Like that's what I didn't like. I don't mind the trash and go nuts. You should do it. You built yourself, you built your career, you built your name. But in between rounds, when you're losing, like show body language, let your coach give you instruction, then go and talk smack again but get your knowledge recover stop talking in between rounds because you need oxygen between round if you don't need oxygen between rounds you did not try to get up hard enough 
You should be tired from trying to get up, but you didn't. You stayed there. You kept talking. Use that energy for talking to get back up. So, I mean, you gave up, and that's what bothers me. So I think people should be more mad that he lost focus and not giving us the will to win rather than the trash talking. So I think they're uh, slightly different. The trash talking was good. It was phenomenal. And the way he finished it, which I loved even better, he lost. He goes, yeah, I talked smack. He beat me. He was the better man. He lost in, with respect and not like the O'Malley we're talking about. But I think it's the lo- last loss of focus that bothered me, the trash talking. Well, here's the thing. If you would have asked me before this fight, does Kevin Holland have what it takes to become a champion in the middle of the division? I would have told you no. I don't think really? that he is. Yeah. I don't think that he's uh, an elite fighter, and it's not. And it's not to take anything away from him, but we've got to remember what this guy's known for. Five fights in in I think it was six or seven months. He goes five yeah. and zero. Oh. He's using what got him to the game. He he likes to talk smack. He likes to stay loose. He likes to get in his opponent's head, and he was getting in Brunson's head. Brunson looked rattled in the second round. He yeah. he yeah. he was hurting Brunson with, with you know on the feet in the first and second round. We can't forget these kind of things. Brunson, I think, just is a better fighter. Like I was saying to this to you last week, I think that if you look at it, it from top to bottom, that Brunson hasn't beaten almost every category except for maybe speed and maybe yeah. maybe striking technique. I don't, I don't know. But like Brunson's a, a far better wrestler. Holland's, mm-hmm. Holland has never been great off of his back. You know, he's he's been there before and he's not able to really do anything. You know, I, I, and it's not a knock on Kevin Holland, but Kevin Holland said, I, "I never said I wanted to be champion. I just want to come out and have fun, and, and this is what I love yeah, to do. Yeah. So let him do it." Yeah. If you win or yeah. lose, let this guy be himself. And yeah, that's I, fair. I think that we need to just accept him for who he is. That's all he wants, it seems. It doesn't seem like he wants to be a champion. It seems like he wants to get in, make money, and win fights and, and just do what he loves to do. Uh, you, you see these vignettes about him going and buying shoes. Fighting has opened up a new world to him. It, it, it's allowed him to you know, have new interests and get into the things that he loves and you know, it seems like he just really enjoys doing this. That he loves being yeah. in there, and he loves getting in his opponent's head. He loves the mental aspect of it. So I think that we just need to in- embrace Kevin Holland for who he is, instead of instead of trying to tell him how to fight and tell him how to, you know, when he should or shouldn't be trash talking. Because the trash talking is what enamored us to him in the first place. The, the big mouth thing. Yeah, yeah. This is who he is. So why don't we just embrace him for who he is and not put all these expectations on fighters all the time? Yeah, I think if, if you were to ask Kevin Holland re- really and take him to the side, do you want to be a world champion? I assume his answer would be yes. Sure, there's a side of him that wants to do well. I've heard he's already reached out to Daniel Cormier to, to work wrestling and to improve that side of things. So I'm sure there's a side of him. And even saying him after, he's like, you know what? In order for me to improve, if I have to shut up in between corners and listen to my corner and, and find that phone, he's like, I'm going to. But, you know, I want to get better. So there is a side of him. Maybe the the over talking, it's, it's his way of like not having to be a champion and still get fights. But I, I, there's definitely a side of him where I hope that he still wants to win and do well and improve, which I think he will. I it think it's just, just keeps him loose. a side to him as well. Like I think talking yeah, trash keeps, that's why he's smiling coming in because he's not I don't he doesn't have to win to be happy almost you know so yeah i agree i put a youtube video out uh, about it about trash talking and i almost gave the example of the last dance when you were watching michael jordan then they talked about scotty pippen and then they talked about dennis rodman 
You have to treat Dennis Rodman different than you did Pippen. Dennis Rodman needed to go out, do drugs, party, but then he'd come and perform even better the next day. But if you kept him locked up in routine structures, he's not playing well. He needs that freedom. It's a different type of athlete, and I think you got to just treat everyone different, like you said. And Larry Bird's kind of the same way. Larry Bird used to terrify people. He used to he used to say to the person that was defending him, he's like, I'm going to go to the to that part of the court. I'm going to shoot the ball over you, and I'm going to score. And he would just go and do yeah. it. And like people, yeah. would, it would freak as the, the the person that was defending him out. Like yeah. it, there's a a, a a major cerebral nature to the people that have the confidence to do that and then perform. And yeah. Holland has been able to do that. And, and I still think that Holland, even though he couldn't get up, I thought when he was on the feet, he was clearly the better fighter. So yeah, he I, can manage distance. He hits well. Yeah, he has the potential still. Just that focus, Aaron. I'm telling you, he's lacking that little bit more focus we need. Mm-hmm. So let's see where so. he goes from here. But I, I just I feel like he's being unfairly targeted because people are putting these expectations on him that are perhaps not realistic. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Let him be him. You know, it's his style. We like him. I'm gonna watch him. I'm still excited. Who are we talking about after that fight? Yeah, Evan Holland. We have we barely mentioned Brunson again. Yeah. You know, we're still talking about the loser. So what he's done, the image he's created, the brand he's going with has worked. 100%. And good for him. And, and you know what? If he Here's the thing. Apparently, he made $800,000 last year um, from his yeah. fights and his bonuses. If he was the champion, he wouldn't have made that much. He would have fought what, once, maybe twice. Yeah, twice. True. So, yeah. you know, even if he was making 250 and 250 you, you know, like, he still wouldn't have made that amount of money. I yeah, think he likes yeah. to stay active. I, I like him as just a guy you put up against good middleweights. You don't need to try to rush this guy up the ladder. If he, Who if do he you keeps, like then? Yeah, if he keeps winning fights and he wants to get tested by top guys, let him. I, I mean, it seems like he's not turning fights down, but yeah. maybe so just who give do you him like fights for him, that, that are more winnable for him. Who do you like? Like who's someone that you would match up with? Like that makes it exciting. For that will play Hall. into his talking. That will, you know, give us that excitement. Let me take a look at the. At the I mean, I shouldn't really be, really be looking at the rankings because the rankings are. I have to too. Yeah, let me all see. over the place, but. Well, no, it's just I'm sure there's fighters in the middleweight division that I'm I'm forgetting. Like Uriah I mean, Hall, would a Uriah Hall be fun? Mm, Uriah be Hall, fun he'll stay on the feet. They're both, you know, he might bring out some trash talking in him. What about Sean, Sean Strickland? Strickland? Sean Strickland could be, would be. A I good just one. said that. Yeah. yeah, that's the guy. Strickland would be. That's awesome. the fight. Yeah, Strickland would be awesome. Yeah, I like Strickland for that, and he's on a nice win streak. Crazy man, I like Strickland versus Kevin Holland. That's fun. Yeah, even right. Tavares wouldn't be bad, you know. Yeah, Tavares would be fun too. Tavares looked great in his last fight. Yeah, I mean, good banger, good tapper, likes to likes to sit in the pocket oh, a bit and it'll be one. some fun. How about Hamza Chimaev? Yeah. yeah, I just read that he's possible July return. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I don't know what's going on with that guy. I don't think I don't think anybody knows what's going on with that guy. It seems like he was he was brought to Vegas for treatment to try to help him, and then he just bailed. He went back to Chechnya. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Shemaev. I just think Shemaev's too heavy wrestling based, and then we might see a, a lay and pray no, beat I, now. I disagree with you. I think his striking is is just as good as as his grappling. Yeah, but he just watched what Brunson did to him. I think he's just gonna probably maybe hit him with a few strikes and body lock him right away, and then just toss him to the ground. Yeah, maybe. Well, that's why we want to see it. Yeah, I, I I think I still don't know if we know exactly what this guy's gonna bring to the table. Like we saw how dominant he was against three guys, but those guys were. Kind of lower level. I would say Mearshart's not a lower level guy, but the guys that he beat before then were kind of lower. I don't think either of them are still in the UFC. I think they've both been cut since. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Gerald Mearshart has a fight coming up, I believe, but uh, I've always thought Mearshart's quite good. Um, yeah. So, you know, be that as it may, I, I think that 
there's still a lot of interesting fights ahead for Holland. I, I'm not writing this guy off. I still think that he's going to be a lot of fun to watch going forward. And there's just a, another fight I got to bring up because that fight stressed me out. I don't know why that fight bothered me, but the uh, the Ruiz buys fight. Oh, that was weird. With I'm, that that headlock was bothering me so much. That front headlock. Is it easy that, to get out of? No, it's just that it's she went to it and just stayed there the whole time. Yeah, you're not doing nothing. I was I was so annoyed every time she did it, and that's all she had. The only move she but had. Is that considered a like a submission attempt, technically. Like I, I I'm it's asking a control you, position. A it's a good front headlock control position. Like, I mean, if you don't know how to get out of it, and she was really good in her positioning with the with the head and the arm. I mean, just she was good at it. But it's just so boring to watch. I hated it. I hated it. You know, Cheyenne Bice was at least trying to go out there and scrap and bring a fight and try to stay out of it. She was trying to make it, but I get it's an effective though. strategy. But man, you bored me. I didn't like that at all. I didn't like that style. I didn't like that she went for it all the time. I didn't like that was the hey, only was thing she did. She's but the one taking a fight on short yeah. notice, and it worked. Yeah, it's Good for true, her. but it was annoying. Yeah, it's just an annoying style to watch. So I, I didn't love the, the excitement of it. But Max Griffin made up for it with some nasty power. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, that was a, a frustrating fight. As a striker, I'm just like, oh, let them strike. Come on, let them go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Ruiz did what she had to do, but that's not uh, my style of fight I enjoy. Well, we got some pretty left-field news yesterday. Misha Tate coming out of retirement. Really? I just saw her in a video the other day with her baby. Yeah, she's got two two kids now, but she's been training apparently at Extreme for the last little bit. And, you know, I spoke to Coach Nixick basically right after she, you know, that, that news had come out. She said she's, she's in the gym all the time, she's, and he, he feels like she's dialed in and that she can do it. And, and I think that you've got the right opponent for her in Marion Renault. Okay, and she, it's back to the UFC as well, because I would have thought one. She's been working with one FC the whole yeah. time, right? But she's still under contract with the UFC. She can't like, she can't okay. just bail. So, uh, so she's been in the testing pool the entire time. No, still? she's re-entering it now, and I think that there's some sort of loophole that allows her to compete before the six months is up. So she's competing in July um, against Marion Rowe, and Marion Renault was quoted as saying, "Oh, I, I, I watched, uh, I watched uh, Misha Tate when I was, you know, when, when I was younger." And I'm thinking, you're nine years older than Misha Date. So that's like how long Misha Date's been fighting. She just for. fought, right, too? Marion just, just fought? fought this past weekend against... Yeah, um, so, I mean, they're just Daisy putting Chazon. her in like a quick return. And... Yeah, it's her retirement fight. She says she wants to do one more. And uh, She looked fantastic, though. Like, body no. shape for her age. Oh, yeah, for yeah her age. she did. She's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I was actually surprised that Macy Chason was unable to, to finish her inside the distance. She just didn't seem to uh, get aggressive when she could have. But... Uh, Either way, Renault versus Misha Tate, that's a perfect return fight for Misha because, you know, if yeah, she loses fun. that fight, I don't know how much more of, of a future she has, but uh, I think that, that it, it'll say a lot if she's able to get a win over Marion Renault. Yeah, no, I agree. Good fight. Just, it's interesting. I like that. How old is uh, Misha Tate, by the way? she's 34. Mid-30s? Okay. Yeah, so she's still I, fairly young. I thought maybe a little older, but no, that's perfect age. Yeah. It's a good so, age. Younger than me, so what am I going to say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same age as you, right? Yeah, she's young. Two years young. Uh, yeah. My birthday's in one month. Tyron Just Woodley, also month. young Thir- at 39. Or turning 39, 39 this yep. year. Your age young. now, right? Very young. Yeah. yeah. Very young. Extremely young. Extremely young. There you go. I'm trying to think if there's anything. They said, hey, fighting prime, they say he's 30 to 35, 36 years old. So I'm still at the, the end of it. So I'm okay still. 
Oh, uh, we, we actually missed a lot of news from last week that we didn't get to talk about. Khabib Nurmagomedov officially retired, even though he was kind of already yeah. was officially retired, but officially, uh, officially retired. But uh, they've actually gone as far as uh, vacating the title and making a title fight between Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. So you like that? You like that? Well, that's what Is I that want to ask. Match? If yeah. you were to make a title fight, what would it be? I, I personally would have gone with Gaethje versus uh, Oliveira. Really? So now, I, well, I mean, we have to state the fact that we all agreed that Poirier was probably offered, but took Connor instead. Right. Yeah, if is Poirier that, like, is off the table, fact? and you got those okay. three guys, I think I would say go Poirier with deserves it. Um, Oliveira Gaethje, yes, I agree with you. I agree. And I think Gaethje deserves it over Chandler, just based on the investment in the business and company. I think he deserves it. Yeah. I don't I mean, know how okay, he's fought did. free for so long. Yeah. I mean, I would put Chandler next in line. I'm, I don't say Chandler doesn't deserve it because he really does, but I would think Gaethje has any man. Like, if I had a fighter at Bazooka and I had to pick between two, and one's been training me for 10 years and one's been training with me for a year, my 10 year guy deserves the fight because he's been part, he's committed, he's, he's loyal. So I think, uh, yeah, Gaethje should have been the one and throw in uh, Chandler for the winner. Or maybe you put. Chandler versus Poirier after if he gets through Connor, but I think any which way you look at it, the top five there is probably going to all fight each other in the next year or two. Yeah, it's exciting right now because I think, like as you mentioned, the result of Poirier versus Connor too is going to say a lot about what happens next. Because Connor could get a title shot if he beats Poirier, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, the winner there should get the winner of that title fight. Yeah, although, but then oh, where does that makes leave sense, Gaethje, right? Now Gaethje's. Almost, I think Gaethje's always going to get screwed. In the, yeah. It looked like it was going to be Oliveira for a time. That Oliveira was going to be the odd man out, but uh, Oliveira ends up getting the fight. I'm happy for Charles Oliveira. I've I've been such a, a fan of this guy's career since he joined the UFC. As Can a you give him Leon Edwards? No, sorry, wrong division. There, I'm thinking the wrong division. Oh, I, I I mean, if one of them wants to move up and face Leon Edwards, it'd be <laughs> no, no. I'm just trying to think. I was like, well, what about Leon? I was like, no, wrong division. Yeah, wrong guy. Well, Leon Edwards is also kind yeah, of on wrong. the inside looking in because now you've got Usman versus uh, Masvidal happening. But at least um, what what makes him. I guess, uh, lucky in one regard is that it's happening soon instead of after an ultimate fighter season. So Leon, I think still, yeah. if he wins one more fight, I think he's got to be next in line. Yeah. Hope so. Hope so. They should put Leon versus yeah. Colby on that same card or, or, or at least in the, in the air, maybe have them headline a, uh, a fight night card or something along those lines. If, if Colby's willing to take that fight. Is Colby even like, I mean, I haven't even seen him as a potential matchup right now. He's just staying off waiting for particular fights, but well, there's he been no fight, potential. He doesn't want to fight Leon Edwards. He just doesn't think that there's enough juice behind the name. Um, hmm. And I also think that Bilal Muhammad should get another crack at Edwards, honestly. I think that they should rebook that fight. I just think that that's the fair yeah. thing to do yeah. for uh, for Bilal. Yeah, and he seems to be recovering well from the last time I checked on his social media, right? It wasn't as damaging as people thought. Yeah, it's one of those things where you need the time to let it heal, but it's probably... As long as his vision is okay, I'm sure that he'd be cleared to fight no more. But you can so get a, no a piece of dust in your eye, and it takes a half an hour for it to – and that's a little piece of dust. So, I yeah, mean, when you get right. any puncture, like, it doesn't matter how long-term effect it is. In the next 20 minutes, you're not going to see out of that eye. Right. So, I think it's – No, but what I mean no, is like – Because I know I've heard people say, well, oh, well, his there's no retina damage. He could have – guys no <laughs> let me poke you in the eye lightly yeah and exactly. let's see if you can fight it with even within five minute timeline mm -hmm. no you're not gonna fight it's still gonna be compromised it's stupid you know so yeah like you know, uh, yeah, people... cornea, like it takes like a week or two to heal but it still sucks <laughs> you know like yeah. you know what i mean yeah not great you know a dust in the eye blow in your eyes see how enjoyable it is it's yeah. not fun 
So, uh, so I, yeah, but yeah, I, 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 mean, I, I don't think anybody it. questioned Bilal for stepping out of that fight. Like I, I don't think people said that he was embellishing. That, that fight meant the world to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've heard it. People have said it because I've heard people, other fighters say it's the other fighters that are the worst saying, well, I would have continued, you know, I was like, yeah, okay, baloney, baloney. I could say the same thing too. It's like, well, I, if I, I'd fight with one eye is no, it's different, different uh, times. Uh, some other, uh, interesting news is that, uh, UFC 262, I believe it is, is going to be held in Houston. So you got two back-to-back events, one in Jacksonville, one in Houston. It looks like the UFC are starting to get, uh, you know, the road show back. Yeah. How does that feel? It feels so weird for me that we can't even open gyms here. And next thing you know, the UFC is having a full event in two different states. It's so weird. Well, so here's the thing. If, if I was vaccinated, I think I would probably go. But if I didn't have a vaccine, I don't think I would go. <laughs> I just don't think like I think we're almost at the end of the road of this thing where. Yeah, like, but these vaccines and all these different variants now and this. I don't know. Never ends, Aaron. It, uh, yeah, well, right now it seems like it never ends. And uh, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if we go back into a stay-at-home order in, in uh, Toronto sometime yeah. soon. It seems like the numbers are just well, can't, Well, that seems to be opening up. So is that because they're vac- vaccinating more? Is that why they're more open to is opening? Or... opening no, it just says the U.S. is just oh, opening yeah. up. I think, it's, I think they're impatient. I think they just want to get things back. Like <laughs> I, I just think that they yeah. uh, enough of them don't care enough to, like, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. But that being well, said, Air Canada like, is look opening at vacations County, again. So, like, if you look yeah. at Duval County, where Jacksonville is, there, there aren't that many cases. Like, it's it's a very low case count. But you're also going to be bringing a lot of people in from out of town. That's the part that is interesting to me. Is like you got yeah. you got low case counts, but you're willing to bring all these people in from out of town to go to an event to take the chance. But well, we'll see what happens. Man. But it's if, the right you're direction, to go, anyways. And you're going to buy a ticket and go to the event, and the government says it's okay. More yeah. power to you. Feel free. I you guess. sign a waiver. If anything happens, you good. Go watch. Then you're done. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. As okay. long as the fighters, at least, who want to stay safe, or which I'm sure there is big barriers around to keep the the fans six feet away from everyone. And then yeah, I just think as as long as fighter and safety is uh, paramount, I think we're good. To me, it's on the government. Like if if the government said to you, Joe, you can reopen your gym and have full classes, you'd do it, right? Like because that's the government laying laying forth regulations. But there's a reason why they say you can't. Well. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with what they're telling me, right. but uh, I have to do it because it's the law and I have to follow it. I mean, but uh, my personal opinion, I would say, is different than my business opinion. And I'm sure so, I mean, it, it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm my biggest thing in this. All of this is I just want to make sure my parents and the older population in my life are safe. That's are it. Their vaccines I'm, I'm happy with it. Uh, my dad is uh, 75. Uh, my grandmother got hers last week, and my dad is turned 75 this year, so he qualifies to be able to get it. So I think he's booked booking an appointment. All right. Well, I'll give so you a hot mom's, tip. Mom's 68. After we wrap this mom's show, I've got, I've got a hot tip for you. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll oh, just okay. leave it at that. Okay, because I just heard uh, some nurses getting fired because uh, they're sneaking in their family to get the vaccination. Oh. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so then. <laughs> yeah, all right. I was like, Aaron's got the hookups. All right, we're getting vaccinated. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, well, I don't have a hookup uh, for you. But no if jokes. you know any older people in your life, I might be able to help you out. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I, I got nothing for you. You're, nothing you're, for you're, you. you're waiting on the sidelines with me. There we go. We're in that. We're at the end of the line. Yeah. We're waiting. But they just said, uh, I think the reality is that uh, for us traveling, I think we're going to need a, a vaccination passport. I think that's going to be the reality of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, I think makes sense. 
But uh, yeah. be that as it may, I don't know. Do we have anything else to talk about, Joe? Or do we have uh, – trying to think of uh, if we've got anything else. Well, I'm going through some news and a lot of, I was, a lot uh, of uh, bouts have been announced. I, I like the Ryan Hall-Ilya Tapuria fight. That's an interesting one. Oh, you have to give me your – like you did – uh, your TSN edge picks. I don't know. I, ha- I haven't prepared them you just yet. You didn't do well last week. One. Okay, because you didn't do well last week. I had to call you out for had, that. I mean, I, I only had two last week. and they One was Macy Chase oh. on Inside the Distance, which should have won. But uh, oh, yeah, it was, JP, yeah, yeah. Baez, JP Bays did not look good, so uh, I'll take the no, heat on that he, one. he ended up losing that. And then what was the other one you had? Those were the it only was, two? It was just two, yeah. The other one fell oh. through. Uh, it was Gregor Gillespie decision, so that, that bike got oh. bumped. Um, okay. I like Michael Olegzajic by knockout. I like Francis. Um, just winning straight out is by finish, or I would take Francis, Francis round one at plus two hundred, but I also like him just at minus one thirty. Um, I think the the best value play is is Francis round one, and I like Tyron. I like Tyron plus two fifteen, and possibly Tyron inside the distance. Uh, Tyron inside the plus distance is you said, right? plus five seventy five. Mm. That's nice if you want to sprinkle a little uh, side. Yeah, just, bet just on a that. Little, it's a nice little a, prop bet. Just a sprinkle, like you said. Yeah, but that's it. That's uh, those would be the ones that I would recommend. I, I really like Oleg Zajic by knockout. I think is uh, a big one for. And me. what weight class is he in? He's in light heavyweight, plus okay, one sixty yeah. for Oleg Zajic by knockout. All right, on my radar. All right. So uh, that'll well, do. I'm it for actually, us. I'm actually excited for this. I'm been a while since. Uh, I mean, I've been overly excited. I think this almost equal to me with the Izzy fight. I think the Izzy Wojovic fights, this is kind of the fights that uh, really excite me. So uh, I'm excited for Saturday night. I want to see the big boys go. And I think this, uh, this fight has me really intrigued. Absolutely. I think we have a Bellator card. Is there a Bellator card next on April 2nd? Because we have no UFC Not next too- weekend. I can't know. I, I can't remember if they are back. Yeah. April 2nd, Pitbull versus Sanchez too. So uh, we can talk about that next week. That's a, that's a great fight. Yeah, I like Pitbull, and, and Sanchez is a beast. Sanchez, just I just like the way that uh, he just moves, his aggression, his style, and he's uh, a Duke Rufus guy, so support him. Yeah, extremely under underrated fighter. All right, Joe. Yeah. Well, thanks for this. We'll be back next week to break down Francis Ngannou versus Stipe Miocic. We'll see how this one plays out and uh, who John Jones is going to be facing next. That's, uh, that's another yeah. part of the exciting piece of the puzzle. Exactly. All right, right guys. See we'll uh, see you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.